0: Welcome, you're listening to Raw Health Rebel Podcast of Lisa back. It's time to disrupt the current view of health and return to the raw basics that true wellness comes from within. great honour to have Remy Vega on this episode. I'm sure you're all going to be as humbled as I was when Remy shared his personal story of growing up in a tough background with a search for truth and a deeper understanding of human nature shaped him into the person he is today. If any of you follow Remy on Instagram you will appreciate like I do his extremely well-researched and in-depth knowledge of current events. It was a huge privilege that Remy opened up in what led him to where he is today. We discuss his thirst for knowledge, growing up with family members who are Freemasons, his interpretation of 9-11, how and why he got into rap music and using it as an outlet for reflecting on his understanding of the world. Well, there'll definitely be a part two because we only touch upon the deeper truth of the current events and Remy's latest research and interests. I am... Super excited to have you on and um and to chat more because you know the stuff that you've been sharing, I have to say, it does blow my mind in some ways. It, it's um but I want to learn more and know more. And you've been sharing some really, really good stuff which has um hooked my interest. But yeah, let's hear about your story if you don't mind sharing with the listeners, you know, how you've come to where you are now, sort of growing up, and uh yeah, what's got you to where you are now?
1: So I guess like, um, so my, my mom's from Mexico. She moved up to the U S um, when she was, I think around like 19 or so, she was adopted and then she, uh, she was adopted by a Methodist pastor. Um, and then, uh, my, and then on my dad's side, he was, his dad was a Methodist pastor as well. So they met through that. Um, but then growing up sort of under their influence, like they they were, uh, actually interestingly enough both of my grandparents on both sides were um they were like very they they had their own libraries basically you know they were they were avid readers so I was always introduced to a lot of different books ever since I was like really little and I always I loved reading stuff I was always like really interested in that and my grandpa on my mom's side of the family he uh he was really he was really open-minded and um like just very uh he was well read about you know various like religious traditions and and so he was actually from an early age he would always let me just go through his books and like I'd ask questions and like I kind of mentioned it actually um when we when I was talking on uh, here for the truth that he was he, so he was in, in the in the Freemason he was a Freemason so he was part of the lodge system um, he never really got into great detail on like what that entailed and what it was about but. So because of that, I had sort of an early like introduction to the concept of Freemasonry. And it's like, and then, so m- m- my, my mom was pretty, well, she was a pretty analytical person. Um, I, she, she had gone to college for a while when she, um, when she moved up into California. And so she had an interesting per- perspective that she that influenced me to, she really was, she was, um, really encouraging of, of, of thinking for myself uh, when I was younger, that changed. But, um, so having like this, this introduction of like religious texts and various religious, um, and, uh, mythology was something that I was really into having an introduction to all of that stuff. Really. It, it helped me see the history of the world through not necessarily just like a social studies when you go to school. Oh, well, this happened, then this happened. It was, it was, I was already introduced to the concept of like motifs and, and allegory that I think maybe probably it, it really, I, I haven't really thought about it that much, but it probably did help shape my mind as far as like trying to understand like um you know the the underlying story going on. Uh because there's you know mythology or myth. I think sometimes people use the term myth in the sense of like, Oh, that's just a myth. As if like, that just means like, it's just not, it's a true, it's not a true story. It's a lie. It's a, you know, it's a fabrication, but uh myth really, like if you kind of read into like um, Joseph Campbell and stuff, myth is, is it's a story that like contains like timeless truths in it, you know? So I think that that was probably my, in, my, my introduction to like analyzing, you know, the nature of, of, human history the human mind the spirit all of that um so that was my introduction to it all and then i think it it just it developed uh mythology was a big thing for me i was really into um like kind of uh like the greek and and egyptian gods and goddesses and and just their stories in general and i think by probably i think it was by like third grade second or third grade i had a book about it and i used to my parents had encyclopedias and i would just go look up as much as i could I'd be like what does that mean what does that word mean or whatever and that kind of got me into like uh looking at the etymology of words and because my mom was originally she spoke spanish and she learned english later in her life she was really into um you know she would say what does that word mean uh oh, well what's the root word she would ask me like root words and stuff like that when i was younger so um It's it's so my whole perspective is always, I think from a pretty early age has been like a, like, what, what does the word mean? Where does it come from? What's the story behind that? What does it mean? And like, what does it mean for now? So that's, that's been like a huge, I think that was like the formative aspect of, of, I think, establishing how I started to, you know, analyze the world. so
0: love it yeah and that's I mean what an inquisitive mind though to um, kids today aren't really reading quite so much are they so uh, you know it's obviously good that you were that minded I, I would love my kids to be like that I'm a bookworm I've hundreds of books always around the house so yeah mm-hmm. they'll, they'll show interest so where did it go from there then
1: so I think around um uh wow there it's just so much there was i think that there was like some there were pivotal points you know like there were there were moments where um it kind of occurred to me like ah like you know there's a there's maybe you should pay attention to this little detail or maybe you should pay attention to this part you know and i think obviously the big one was september 11th in 2001 mm-hmm. By that time, I had already, like, again, like, so I had already been introduced to the concept of, like, the, you know, the Freemasons and the, there's, like, a group of people who, who really are, like, kind of controlling events in, in, in society. I would say that my, my mom was probably on the, sort of on the fringe of, like, what people would call, like, conspiracy theorist. Mm-hmm. If she heard this right now, she would probably go crazy. She <laughs> won't. Uh, but if she knew i said that but whatever so but that's the i mean that's the case i don't really and i don't like that term no I, I, obviously it, what's that
0: I, I think it's, it was invented wasn't it to cut by the um to it, it, i think it's quite derogatory it's it was invented to i guess belittle people that think outside the box or question right the narrative and,
1: and it's one of those terms that really doesn't like like the connotation and the denotation are actually really separate from from each other like like the actual like conspiracy itself uh you know i've mentioned this before i think when i was on the conspiracy podcast like conspiracy con with spirare to breathe or to, to be of like which is where the word spirit comes from right breath or to breathe and then theorist obviously theory is a an explanation for something um so like a conspiracy theorist is somebody who um has a theory that people are working towards a certain goal and that's that's like Literally everyone, everyone thinks that certain people are working together towards a certain goal, like that certain people of a certain spirit group together, and then they have a, a plan or an agenda, and they try to get it enacted, you know, mm-hmm. like, today, like the average person would be like, there's a whole bunch of conspiracy theorists over there. And their their explanation for like conspiracy theorists is like, Oh, yeah, you know, all the anti um, uh, intramuscular needle people, you know, are uh they're all banding together to get and disinformation out and like and I'm like you do realize that is like by definition like your perspective of what a conspiracy theory is anyway. Uh <laughs> so uh I was sort of I I was pretty like um I guess unorthodox already by like seventh grade about kind of try to understand I didn't have a good grasp on it by any means. You know what I mean? But I was like I was definitely like, whoa, wait a second.
0: For the for the for the British listeners, what would that be?
1: Oh, so that's uh around what like 11, 11, 12 okay. years old, I think.
0: Yeah, yes, yeah. so, actually it's the same then here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah, because kindergarten like is is, you know, like four or five, five years old, five or five or six maybe. Yeah. Um, and then first grade, you know, and then through seventh, right? Um, so that's middle school. Well, there's different, there's like intermediary, but
0: Questioning anything by that age, like, is pretty unusual. I mean, I certainly didn't question anything. I, d- I don't, you know, my daughter, my oldest daughter's 10. She, um, you know, I'm having to get her to sort of start questioning things because they definitely don't, you know, the way they're taught anything is so, so to, to be questioning anything at all is amazing, I think, uh, at that age.
1: Yeah, and I do really think that that had to do with, you um... Uh, the influence of my parents being very just like, uh, you, you know, question. She literally, my mom would be like, question things, always question. You don't listen to anybody unless it makes sense, you know, that kind of a thing. And um, yeah, I, I guess in retrospect, yeah, it's, it's pretty, I guess it's pretty, Um, I guess pretty rare. Uh, I I know that there were, there were others, I guess. I, I I don't know that I knew anybody, but like, I mean, so by seventh grade already, I was like, all right, well, this is weird. And I remember showing up to class and being like, what's uh what's going on you know they were playing it on the tv and he's like oh yeah this happened and these people did i'm like well if they knew then like why were not why weren't they able to you know to stop it from happening if they had no oh they suspect it was this i was like well it seems like they know a lot but like what and i kind of got in trouble because I, I had like a little back and forth with my teacher and, and he was like you know he was not happy with me not like because it just seemed so bizarre to me like i was just like something just seemed so weird about the whole thing Um, So by eighth grade, I saw um, uh, loose change. It was like a documentary on September 11th, And it was basically saying like, it was it broke down the science of like, of of how like, there had to be some other type of um, either chemical or, or like, you know, uh, some type of agent that would have helped to collapse the buildings the way that they did.
0: I haven't watched that one. I'll put a link to that. What's it called? Loose Change.
1: Loose Change. It's old. I don't know. Honestly, I don't really know how well, well done it is now because it's been, I haven't seen it pretty much since then so like i'd be interested
0: to watch it though still like you know i've I've seen the moon landing documentaries that are really old and they're still a timeless classic so uh, right
1: yeah because it's like you think about the in context of the times it's like it's like what we're you know and i and you really think about it's like what kind of technology do people have what kind of connectivity do people have because of the technology that they had and that contributes to Obviously, that contributes to how people interpret the information, but also how quickly the information gets around. So it was definitely like, you know, like the advent of like, you know, Internet videos and and it was like pre social media, really, because it was like not even like it was I think my space was like just barely like kind of becoming a thing at that time. It was like right after that is when I started getting into my space. So, I mean, eighth grade. Yeah. And, you know, I I watched this video and I'm like, yeah, that makes more sense than what I was told. And Mm -hmm. so that was, you know, me and my friend were both in eighth grade. So like, there's one other person that I know that was like, at least at that time was like, you know, pretty onto it. So that really, I didn't, I never really had like the, the, I guess it was like a gradual, like kind of seeing what was happening i didn't have like a big like whoa like that's i guess that was it if anything but i think because i was younger like it was just like oh yeah well that makes sense you know so like i think when you've established kind of like a firm understanding of 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 the world that you're in and you have a really um uh you have like an you've invested a lot of your time a lot of your perspectives in it and you become a grown person you become an adult who has certain viewpoints and then you've established sort of what you think you are and what you're supposed to be based on a lot of these things. That's why it's really difficult. I think for people to give that stuff up, it's like the, the longer that it goes, the more ingrained into this perception of what you think you are um, and the more ingrained into your, into your, like your being that becomes. And it's so then like the, the ideas and you it's almost like, for some people it's almost impossible to separate. Well, if I don't have that idea, then I'm not me anymore. And it's like, I, th- I think that just, I don't know, by maybe I'm maybe by some form of, of luck of, you know, I don't know what it is. I, I, I just, it just gradually became more and more, you know, I was always
0: oh, in my head, I'm trying to work out whether like, you know, cause I think as an adult waking up and realizing all of this is like, it gives you a bit of an existential crisis you know as a child and does it make you feel more scared of like the reality in the world or you know when you're younger you're more accepting of things i can't quite kind of decide in my own head sort of which is more traumatic in some ways So growing up through life feeling different i mean did you feel different from other people knowing oh
1: yeah yeah definitely um it was like it was something that i was like always aware of that i was i was like i just feel weird like i just feel like i'm a weirdo a lot of times it was like very like it was it was i processed it in a negative way Mm -hmm. um so it was always just like i I think a big part of it was around that time i started uh writing like raps i started i was a i was like a rapper for a long time so i started writing poetry and rap songs and, and i was into like really like weird rap music at the time so i grew up in an area that there was a lot of um, a lot of like um, gang violence and, you know, gang activity in general. When I was growing up, it it got a little bit worse. It, when I was around that age, I think elementary school wasn't quite as bad. But when I started getting into middle school, it, it started to get worse, like mm-hmm. progressively. So around that time, um, and also when I was younger, you know, I was around people who listened to a lot of like, like, you know, West Coast gangster rap or like a whole bunch of stuff like that. But in, in which I, you know, I, I liked some of it, I, especially for like, I'm really, you know not to go on a total tangent i was really into like the style of beats that are that come from the style of production from the west coast has, has always been dear to my heart but with like the synthesizers and stuff like that we but don't
0: need to, i'll put some links to your music definitely, so people yeah can
1: yeah there's there's some hidden music there on the internet too but um so i started getting into like like underground rap music which was more about it was it was a little you know like there's it's, it's a really well-rounded, it was a well-rounded like, um, kind of sub-genre within hip hop. So I, around that same time I started writing rap songs and, and a lot of the stuff that I was writing about was like, I guess it, you, it was pretty, it was pretty different. I think than uh, than uh, maybe what most people were doing at the time. Like I, I, I still have the first song that I recorded and I think I was, I was no older than 14. I was 13 or 14 at max. Um, and, uh, it was about, I, it was called Rapture. So it was about like, it was about like society falling and like, it, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a trip. I actually almost want to like, cause I talk about it to people all the time, but not, I don't think there's like a lot of people who have heard it. So around that time, yeah, it was like, it was, it was terrifying, honestly, to a certain extent, seeing the world from that perspective. And then also having the influence of like kind of the eschatological, um, you know, a description of what, you know, the end of the world, it's all going to come to, you know, the, the Armageddon. And so I had kind of like this like fear of, of, of the, the end of the world, you know, for a while and then having sort of the ability to sort of grasp that there was um, actually mechanisms at play to create this sort of outcome it was a little bit freaky. And then in eighth grade, we start doing, you know, we start studying like the Holocaust and and stuff like that. And I'm just like, you know, so you start to, you start to see, I'm like, oh, wow, humanity is actually pretty capable of doing some terrible things, you know? And so there was a bit of, of fear, but I think that even though, honestly, even though I always felt like I was a little bit outside of the, you know, I was outside of the cool crowd a little bit. I think that it, it kind of always has given me a sort of, sense of solace because i'm like well at least i'm me i'm least i'm you know i'm you i'm i'm unique and i have that much and so i it was it was it was there was a lot of conflict there obviously but i think being able to um make sense of things in a way that maybe like when people tried to explain me back down to like the the you know the official version it didn't make sense to me so like it, it just it did logically i was like these things don't add up like so I think having the ability to discern that there was something at least a little bit more plausible as an explanation, even though it was a worse explanation, like, you know, qualitatively, like the the quality of the world that I was explaining was definitely worse than the way that people wanted it to be. I think even though I recognize that sort of dichotomy, it gave me a sense of peace knowing that it made more sense because then I'm like, well, maybe I can, you know, do something. And so like, yeah eighth grade I start writing rap songs about it and it was really like coded so I didn't really like say it you know straightforward but it 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 was a um yeah it was it's it's been it's been a weird it's been a weird path ever you know the whole the whole way so yeah I think yeah it was it was it was I always do I always did feel a little bit like outside of the out of the norm you know
0: Yeah, and I guess so. You, it's you had like a deeper understanding of why you felt like that. Because I mean, I felt different as a kid, but not because I knew anything different. You know, I didn't have that knowledge. I just, I guess, I felt, you know, intuitively that you sort of don't quite fit in for whatever reason. I think as you get older, you realise perhaps why. but, yeah, I think the fact is that you had that knowledge, so that must have been in some ways comforting to know and do you know, I want to ask you something else actually, this is probably a really stupid question, so please don't judge but like I've never really looked in but obviously I know about Freemasonry, but I haven't really gone down that rabbit hole like and done loads of research, but like you know obviously it's a secret society people that are in it do they do they talk about it or what goes on, or is it completely? But from what I understand, people that are in the Freemasonry say, you know, you quite often know they are, but that's it. So they, you know, when you grow up around this, do people talk about it or like, what's the etiquette? You know, how much do you get to know?
1: I, so I've had I've had contact uh, with so my grandpa and then um, <clears throat> more recently, uh, a girl that I dated a, f- a few years back. Um, her dad was also is, is in the, is in the, the Freemason Lodge. So those are the, that's the closest contact that I've had with the lodge system itself. Um, generally the people in, this is what I've taken from it. Generally the people within the average lodge system of Freemasonry aren't all too like aware of like the upper levels and their involvement in things. I think that it's, it's very compartmentalized, just like any, any organization, any hierarchical organization, Mm -hmm. you know, here, when you're here, they, this is from the way I see it is like their, their perspective is shaped, not from an outside perspective of what it means to be on the lower levels, but what it means while you're in there. Mm -hmm. So they're more likely, I think, to accept like, Oh, like, I don't know, maybe they're involved in that, but they're because of them have are having already submitted to the hierarchy and submitted to that chain of command. I think it's sort of it, it disengages them from from like a really like analytical um, perspective of the organization that they're involved with so. I think that most of the lower levels aren't really necessarily involved in anything other than just like your average, like, Oh yeah, well we, you know, we get, get money to build like, you know, these, these buildings that are dedicated to us and we'll, you know, build a gym for kids to play at or whatever, you know? Yeah. And so a lot of it's just that, but um, it, it's, it's really separated from like the philosophies that actually come from the the actual, you know, the actual myth mythology of Freemasonry. Um, so like, it, and I think like Manly P. Hall kind of addresses this and uh, who else? Uh, Rudolf Steiner also, he has some, uh, he has some lectures where he he addresses that like the modern lodge system and like the actual deeper aspects of Freemasonry, the actual, you know, ancient, the, the, the ancient teachings that are encompassed within the, the philosophies, they're not really addressed in the modern lodge system. Um, so I don't think most of them are like in on it. You know yeah that, that and, makes
0: sense yeah completely yeah
1: I but I do think that like this idea of being in on it like I think that that's somewhat multifaceted but and what so what I mean is that like you can be in on something because ideologically you, you accept the underlying tenets of what of what that system or what that agenda um wishes to bring forth mm-hmm. so you can be in on it and not know that you're in on it like you could be kind of like, A a, a upon to it, not by willing and knowingly taking upon the action and saying I am also working towards this goal, but by sort of by the omission of 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 actual understanding, Mm -hmm. you can end up encompass or embodying the teachings and then acting upon it sort of unconsciously. And then you're and then so it's like well people are like well they don't know. It's like well you might not they may not know on a conscious level. But ultimately, like what your actions are um, is informed by what you know. So what you know, it's like the input, the processing, and the output, right? It's the that's the trivium. Um, if you don't realize the root or um the source of the information that you're taking in, and you're not aware of how you process it, then you're probably not really aware of how you're making how the actions that you're taking um actually affect the world. So while i don't think that they're like really in on it i think that like everybody is everybody contributes to the level that they that they're able to recognize and some of it is unconscious and subconscious and some of it is what you're conscious of the more that you're conscious of of your your inner workings the more that you're actually able to like progress like with uh like effectively effectively act so I don't, I don't think that most of the lodge system is aware of it. I think that there are exceptions probably. And I'm sure that as you get higher up, then, you know, you know, need to know basis as, as you get higher up that pyramid, it's going to, you're obviously going to, that that information gets closer to the source and gets more condensed and it's, and it's, you're getting a a more, you know, distilled version of what might be the more watered down version here, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Okay. So you've gone, so 9/11 was obviously a big, big wake up. Well, not wake up call, but one thing that really made you question. Then you started doing your rap music. So what what happens next in your in your story?
1: So at that time, I wasn't like like deeply, deeply aware of all of the. Of obviously, I didn't I didn't know then what I know now. I kind of just had like a, a blueprint. I was like, okay, well something's going on. There's people. They're bad. And they're trying to do stuff like that was sort of like my understanding of it. Um, and in I think that uh, in the, the beginning phases of me getting into like rap music and stuff. So at the time, I mean, I was just also dealing with, you know, the average, you know, teenage angst and emotional um, struggles that every kid goes through in the varying degrees that kids go through that. So there was that, that was also taking a big part of my, of of my focus, obviously, but it was also like, I was kind of like part of my persona to be like, I I was like, yeah, I'm like the, I'm like the weird rapper guy who talks about like the government and like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm anti-government because I was also into punk rock before getting into rap. So I was into like, I started off with like the pop punk stuff. And then I got into like the more like, you know, anarchist hardcore punk stuff. So that kind of bled over into my, into my perspectives too. And of course I didn't know like the full context of, of all of that, but um, that was part of the movement of the underground rap music that I was into to an extent, like a lot of it was like rebellious, you know, and, So I kind of just faded into that for a while. And I think throughout the most, most of my time in, in, in high school, but I was always really interested in like symbols and some, and like uh, symbolic literacy was something that I just, I always had an interest in. So I was watching like Jordan Maxwell videos and, and stuff where they're breaking down the dollar bill and like what's on it and what it means. And like, I think that I had seen um, pretty early on, I saw some like David Icke videos as well. And I was like, yeah, this guy's crazy. Like, (laughs) But, um, it, that was probably all the, all the way throughout high school towards the end of high school. So it was just basically, I was rapping, I was trying to, you know, figure stuff out. I was getting in trouble. I was, you know, putting myself in a lot of dangerous situations and trying to just figure out like, what's, you know, what's the meaning of all this? Why is life so crazy? You know, why is everything so like messed up? So at the end of high school, I started thinking, all right, well, I know that basically there's like a dark world and there's a very dark agenda going on. And like, there's some weird symbols here and there, and I don't know exactly what they mean, but those are the bad ones. And, you know, and then I, so I kind of became interested in, in like, Orthodox religion again for a while so I was like all right maybe maybe Christianity's the move maybe that's where I need to go maybe that will help me figure all this stuff out because it just got really dark in high school we got like you know like I, I think when I was it was a senior in high school I got jumped by these guys and um in that kind of you know there was a, a whole bunch of other situations that had happened like just almost Just putting myself in grave danger a lot of times, so I was just like, "Well, there has to be more to life than this," you know. Like I, I, you have this like understanding of your mortality, like when when you're in those situations. I think, and there's obviously there's varying degrees. I'm not saying like, "Oh, the worst, the worst you can think of," but it was enough to like freak me out, you know. Um, so I around that time I was like, "Well, what?" You know, I started thinking a little bit more about like the, you know, the metaphysical the the spiritual the the psychological all these things and still music is a huge part and 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 a lot of the music that i listen to kind of introduced me to some like really interesting like writers and stuff like that like i think by ninth ninth grade i was like reading kafka and like like sitting there like oh yeah this is you know with my hand on my chin thinking it was so deep i don't think i understood really what like some of it was about but so you know there was there was always the end of my grandpa had given me like books on like the mayan language was one of them that i got like towards the end of high school and then he gave me the a copy of the quran and then he gave me like celtic um you know celtic mythology books and stuff like that so he was always kind of like oh check this book out you know look at oh look at how similar this is to that one over there isn't that interesting and we'd have these conversations little you know little by little and And I would ask my questions and I would say, well, I don't understand this part about, you know, the church's teachings. And you'd be like, and it would be a cool conversation, both sides of my family, really my, my, um, my dad's dad and my mom's adopted father, they were both really open to having good conversations like that. So it was really cool. And so I was like, Christianity seems cool. Let's, 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 let's let's go into that. Um, And my friend, the same friend who showed me loose change he was like really involved with the church. So like, he kind of like got me back into it and I'm like, all right, cool, this is, this is where it goes. And so we started having, he was a really philosophical guy. He was like really, he was really smart, like really, really intelligent. Um, and so we started having conversations about, and I remember one of them and it was right towards the end of high school, senior year, we were talking about objective morality versus like uh, relativism. No, you know, this was actually, f- that conversation started and then it, we, we, this was like an ongoing conversation for like a year. Or, or like a year or two, probably, but, um, with a f- us and a few of our friends, and I was, you know, bouncing back and forth, but on the on on trying to figure out like objective morality versus relative, you know, relativism and and postmodernism, which was that was my, he was my introduction to kind of like analyzing analyzing and critiquing the concepts of postmodernism, but around that time, I started digging into the Bible more thoroughly and like really trying to understand it and like really, really trying to understand like the, the um, you know, the prophecies and the, the, you know, all the little cultural references and linguistic references. And so end of high school going into college, I'm like, okay, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty dedicated to this, but it doesn't really seem all that right. So I started, I got inter- interested in like Messianic Judaism because I was like, okay, well, if Christianity came from Judaism, yeah. then maybe Judaism will clarify what it is. And then I was like, after reading the new Testament and I got really, really deep into that, you know, word by word, passage by passage and be like, Oh, well, there's some stuff here that I'm not seeing as a consistent, you know, there's some consistency lacking there. So I, I, I was like, I'm going to become Jewish. I'm going to, I'm going to convert to Orthodox Judaism. So, so I, you know, after, and this was after like my first and like second year in college that it was like end of senior year, first year of college. And then like, part of like the second year i didn't finish my second year um and i was studying uh religious studies and philosophy so it was you know feeding into my my you know my my resources and stuff were coming from there and then also from the people that i was like involved with and so i was like i'm gonna become jewish and then like i like learned hebrew and then i moved to an orthodox jewish community in san diego where i lived there for like two years And then like, meanwhile, I was like working at a shoe store, like, and hanging out with all these people, skateboarding and stuff. So, you know, my foot was in, my feet were in two different worlds, sort of, you know, but, um, and around that time I started getting really deep into studying like the, the, the hidden agenda. That's when it was like, that's when it really kicked in for me because I was like, okay, well religion. And then like, and then I got back into, um, uh, some of like Jordan Maxwell stuff. And then there was like the zeitgeist movie and I'm like, okay, like, you know, like, and then I think around the same time I found Max Egan, um, and who else was it? There was Max Egan, uh, Bill Cooper. You know, all of the, the 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 big names in the in the the research crazy people world. You know, yeah,
0: I, I will put links to 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 some of these if you, yeah. I think people that are interested in, in delving into into this, um, yeah. So you got yeah. okay. So you got really into into the, the more far out stuff.
1: Yeah. And this was around 2008, um, 2009. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when I started just like really, really digging into it. Um, and that whole process, like, uh, that's when I think I got like the scary wake up call, like where I was like, Oh, now I'm terrified. Cause I started learning about like the, like the FEMA camp thing and like, Oh, they're going to, you know, there, there's all these big, they're building these things. And this is what FEMA is planning. I'm like, yo, what's going on. And then, i saw this documentary like this like short documentary with uh with with our boy aj alex jones who honestly i've never seen more than like 40 minutes of material from alex jones but i've been uh, accused of being an info war shill a whole bunch of times by people who are like you just read info wars uh, you know like the the people who who, who the keyboard warriors but so uh, that's like the only thing i ever saw from him he was talking about like and i actually saw it recently again and i was like i remember watching that he was talking about they're gonna try to push a vaccine on the whole world and everybody the globalists you know that whole uh but uh that was 2009 2010 and then i was just and i was deep into like judaism and then i left judaism because i was like i I just read so much about like the histories of of just all the interconnected parts of the puzzle and i was like whoa like i don't really think that i'm like down with like like organized religion anymore and then (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. After so, all
0: that, yeah. After all that effort, I guess you yeah. found out maybe at the right time. Everything happens at the right time, doesn't it? So.
1: Yeah. And so I left the the Orthodox religious world. I went back to my hometown of Victorville, middle of nowhere, desert in California in the Mojave, and I sort of just kind of like I had like a big those few years were were pretty and that was um, I moved back around like 2011 around there and that was like big for me to like start to like reassess where I was headed with things it got pretty dark things got really dangerous again and and then I was just it, it, but I was researching a lot more at that time that's when I started to say all right it's time to like really like pay attention to this stuff because things keep getting worse and then like and then I remember me and one of my friends were having a conversation where like starting to understand how false flags work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like with like a little bit more um, a little bit more uh, predictability. Cause we're starting to say, Oh, there's like a pattern to it. Oh, okay. It's like a, they have like a calendar. Oh, they're doing the astrology stuff. They're kind of like basing it off of these number systems. And you know, it's there's so much like, so I, it's like, I, like, I, like I don't want to make it seem like, Oh yeah. I was like some like child prodigy when I was like 12, 13 years old, who had it all figured out. It was just, it was just that, mm-hmm. I I I was I distinctly remember recognizing these things and didn't have an answer for it. Then that's when I started to get like the details and I'm like, okay, so names and dates and organizations and then the names of the organizations and then the etymology of the words and all this stuff started to like really tie together around that time. So this was, yeah, around 2012 when everybody was talking about, oh yeah, 2012, you know, the, the mind calendar ends and everything's yeah. going to, you know, the whole end of the world thing. And I didn't really buy it because I was also terrified in the year 2000 that I thought everything was going to go down. I thought the whole world was going to shut down. You know, everyone's like, Y2K, the world's going to, the the computers are going to shut down, you know, like. (laughs) So I just been like my whole life, just like, I'm like, this is the big one. And uh, yeah, so after having really like just really, started to like dedicate more time to like trying to understand what the heck's actually going on. And then I started learning about like the the music industry and the entertainment world and how it all tied together. And that was, uh, right, right before I moved out to Pittsburgh, right? So those few years, probably from like, um, 2011 to 2014, cause I moved out here to like, the, I think it's at the end of 2015 or was it then I honestly, I don't keep, I don't keep uh track of dates in my life very much this is kind of a weird i i'm always keeping track of dates when this you know these groups of beast people did this but i i don't i'm never like oh well i, I did this during this year it's, it's always just like oh, around this time but yeah so i moved out here because the ebola thing was happening and i was like because i had already been like oh yeah they're just looking for an excuse to do like martial law and shut the world down and create like a you know, a a a digital like tracking system. Like I was like very like oh, I was like yeah, they're gonna do that eventually. So
0: you knew about the digital tracking system and all of that back. back
1: oh back. yeah, I yeah I knew that. I knew I was I was ready for the the digital tracking system probably around 2010. Like I was like not like ready like bring it to me, but like I was like okay, this is where it's going. Like so. Um,
0: uh Can I ask like if it's right? Just how you. How do you cope with knowing information and still having a nice life? You know, because I think sometimes when I go start looking into things, I then stop because I'm like, I know it's there, but for me, I find it takes me to such a dark place. And it's it's a bit like a really silly analogy, and it's not the same at all, but you know, I don't eat meat, I haven't eaten meat for like 30 years. Um I don't want to know about, I don't want to watch, I know like that industrial farming of animals is cruel. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to watch videos of it day in, day out. I know it's there and I kind of think, I don't want to go around screaming to people or, you know, telling people not to do it. It's up to them. The info's out there. You know, I know this is a really obvious example. So I just kind of shut off to it now. I'm like, well, I don't eat it. You know, It's different if animals are farmed, you know, ethically and that I don't really like meat anyway. But, you know, so I live like my life trying to adopt principles that make me feel okay, knowing it's there. But there's not really a hell of a lot I can do about it, because if I start thinking about it too much and I can't change people's minds, it's like I just get really into a dark, dark place. So it's similar to knowing, you know, the horrors that are going on out in the world. It's like we do need to know about it. We do need to know this knowledge to some extent, but how much can you take before it kind of really impacts you as a person? So how do you know this and have a nice life, I guess, is what, what I'm trying to get,
1: to get to. Yeah, I don't know. I, di- I didn't, I guess maybe to an extent I didn't really, I didn't really, I, I think it was, it was easy for me to kind of look at the horrors because I didn't have such a nice life. I think, you know, like, and I don't mean like to like, you know, like make you feel bad or something, but like, I, it wasn't very nice. So it was, it was really easy for me to see the the horrors of humanity, what humanity was capable of, because I had seen some, I'd seen some pretty terrible stuff by that time. You know, I had, I had, you know, I don't go into detail about a lot of the, a lot of the stuff. And I don't, I think it sort of gives off like the, I don't know. Whatever people think, whatever they think about my life, they think whatever they want about me. They, there's no way to really know. So I I do try to like, you know, focus on the information itself, and I I think that I think I've 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 sort of grown um, a little bit frustrated by people who kind of like cling to like uh you know sympathize with my perspective because of this emotional reason or whatever, right? And I do think having you know, emotional depth is important and being in touch with your emotional palette is important. Um, but I think that, I guess it wasn't, it was, it was pretty, you know, I didn't have a great home life. It was, uh, uh, my parents were like very, you know, uh, neglectful to, I guess, to a certain extent, like at least of my emotions and I guess of some other stuff. So I was just out doing, dumb shit basically because i was just like well where am i gonna find my you know i get in now this is how i say it now but i was like where am i gonna find my structure but it's like then i was just like i ah, well i don't know what the hell i'm doing i'm just gonna go and be gone for months and then you know i'll go stay at my friend's house at, for like months at a time or you know so it, it was for me it was kind of like why are things this dark in my life you know so it was it so it was like my life is kind of kind of difficult i'm you know, by 13, 14 years old, I was already like sort of having to like learn how to live on my own because my, you know, my mom would say basically she would lose her mind over something. She was like super, she was like manic. Like, um, and so she would say, get out, get out of my house, you know? And then I, so I would just go skate down the street and I'd go stay at like one of my friend's house in my neighborhood. And I would sometimes be there for a couple months, you know? And like one of these families I'm still in contact with too. Um, it was a, a few families that that really did a lot to help kind of give me some, some type of family that was there for me. So, you know, as much trouble as I got myself into, because I had no guidance, there were, they were really there to to help kind of, at least they kept me right on the edge, I think. And I'm like, really lucky to have had that, but having basically not having a really, I didn't have a lot of comfort. It, it was, a, it. there was, there was, you know, I was like, I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to like throw a pity party, but there was time periods where I was like panhandling for a couple bucks so I could get a burrito from Del Taco, you know? So, and like, were there people there who feed me? Was I going to just starve? No, but it wasn't, you know, it like, it wasn't like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like some like third world country, but it was it, for, you know, for a, a young person like that, it's not really, it, it doesn't form like a, a really, you, you don't, I didn't get a lot. Of, I didn't have a lot of faith in Sort of the the old the older people in the world, you know. I didn't have faith in adults because I didn't really have faith in my own parents. So, um, as you know, as as terrible as that might sound, but
0: no, it doesn't. No.
1: Yeah. So not having really kind of just having this like cynical perspective of of how grown people handle the world, handled themselves, and handled me mm. as a person who was inquisitive, like it just really, it, it was easier for me to find that answer because it made sense, you know? Mm. And, and so it was like, kind of like the opposite version. I think that maybe when people are more, a little more, and it, I and I do know people who live more comfortable lives and, and they were also able to come to conclusions with enough, you know, with enough introspection and, you know, honesty. And one thing that I don't like to do is like, I'm, I'm not going to look down on somebody who's lived a better life than me. And I think that's a pretty common thing that happens right now. And it's like, nobody needs to know. I, I, I'll, I'll tell people how much, whatever it's, this is relevant to this conversation, but so that the ability to, I think make sense of what was happening to me based off of kind of like looking at the world and understanding that this is sort of like, I'm, I'm, I, it made sense to me. Cause I was like, well, my little life, is a small version of what's happening in the world you know so it was it was it was pretty easy for me to see like and to to deal with that some of it got a little bit more more intense as I got older but it's never really been it's never really been hard for me to 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 perceive that that kind of darkness could exist and like I totally understand your your analogy with like the um with like the factory farming thing, you know, and I was vegan for a few years, actually, for like three years. I was vegetarian for about five. And then for a couple of years after that, I was vegan. But I, so I get that analogy. That, um, I think that everyone has their threshold, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that you have to be honest with your threshold and, and remain as effective in keeping your life balanced as you can. I think that some people, um, like, I can handle. I can handle a pretty high amount.
0: We all have our purpose, don't we? I guess, and yeah. it's like, and it's really interesting, you know, hearing that perspective. It makes sense to me because I think people have to often be pushed to a point of discomfort to see the truth. Um, mm-hmm. So you had that earlier, and I think you know from what you said about growing up, and I think a lot of people also have, you know, sometimes a big trauma or something that happens later on that wakes them up. So it's just at what point does that discomfort push someone? And for some people it's gradual and there isn't such a, you know, a one big bang and for others. And, you know, I often think I see people living their comfortable lives and think they're never going to fucking wake up because they're just, you know, what? why would they want to? Look at them with their, I mean, there is a reason to because knowing you're doing the right thing and seeing the truth is far more freeing. But, you know, once you, if you have this comfortable life and, you know, you just carry on plodding along in the system, if you don't have the means to, you know, you're reliant on your, you know, nice salary job from a big corporation and you're paying your mortgage and, you know, your kids are in private school and you've got your nice car that you need to pay. Why would you suddenly think, turn around and question it all? You know, I don't know. I, I you know, not that p- people should but you know that's why I think people don't because they just need something to some discomfort to make them wake up a lot of the time so what you've said does make sense to me you know you had that just younger and so it was sort of more being drip fed through I guess as you were being as you were growing up Um, but I just think that's amazing to have back in 2010 to have been aware you know to this extent of what they're what they were planning on doing and how yeah just how you live for so many years knowing that's coming and not be in a constant state of anxiety you know i think um that's that shows how strong you are so what yeah. happened oh sorry
1: no no i was going to say i was in i was in a pretty intense bout of anxiety throughout that period of time i was able to like maintain enough but i was there was definitely if yeah if if I was to get some witnesses from, from that time period, they would, they would attest to my anxiety about it, but they would also attest to the fact that I was, that I, that I, I, that I was like, Hey, this thing's probably going to be there's probably going to be some type of like global uh, sickness uh, as a, as a way of um, justifying some pretty, pretty gnarly totalitarian stuff. They would also testify that I was, I, I, I did, I called that quite a while back, but, no you were going to you were going to ask, ask well, And something. also
0: I think now more people have woken up but I think even at the start of all of this um you know shit show uh, I've said this on other podcasts, but at the beginning, I was like, um, my family are pretty much on the same page as me, like to some extent, not not as much as me. But um, when it all first started, I was like, that's it. They're locking us down. This isn't, you know, that they're, whether or whatever is out there, they're using it as an excuse to implement these things. There's going to be vaccine passports. And I was like, because my passport just expired and we were wanting to travel. I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to get one. Everyone was like, calm that up, down, Lisa. It's two weeks. We're just flattening the curve just like and you know, I was like no it's not that and you know people thought I was nuts and uh, I, I like to go hmm, told you so <laughs> but I have to yeah. um, but to, you know that was only 18 months you know so just to have had mm-hmm. that for, uh, and more people have woken up now so I think that must have felt quite lonely in some ways to have that for that many years um just carrying that around. Well, I was say, people. Now I wish we would listened to you back then. Or uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I think a couple of people have have sort of made comments like that. But um it was it was really it was pretty lonely. Kind of feeling like you know, like why does nobody see this? And it still feels that way. But honestly, I think that every little thing that happened, I was like, this is it. This is it. This is it. So when when this happened, so I had, I was like, I got to get out of California. And uh, in like 2015, I was like, I, I, I have to get out, like, I have to get over, because my brother, he moved uh, to Pennsylvania a few years before me. And he was like, I, I talked to him, and I came out for his wedding. And he, I was like, yeah, maybe I don't know, man, I kind of want to move out there, maybe try that out. Um, So like, then, then the whole, you know, the Ebola thing went off. And I was like, I got to get out of here. Like, I got to go now. Like, so, uh, I, every little thing happened. I would, I would, I would say, this is it. This is it. This is it. Up until like I I moved out here and I was living here for a few years. And then I started getting in. I, I mean, I was just really, really digging into the research, like throughout, um, it was pretty much 2010 and after, like I, there wasn't really any periods that I wasn't like thoroughly really trying to like still keep decoding things and, you know, watch for the next steps and everything. So when I came out here, uh, I, I, I was, I was sort of waiting for it. And then I, I noticed the trend, like, um, with, like the doctor's office sending out like really scary emails about the flu and stuff like that. And like, I was like, and then I saw like a, a Bill Gates speech um, uh, about, about like oh there may be uh you know who knows maybe there's gonna be a pandemic i'm not you know i'm not gonna point your fingers or anybody but like i saw Especially that no, and i was it's
0: like it's over, yeah
1: no it's almost like it's you're either gonna laugh or like pull your hair out so um i uh yeah no i was like oh i i I started noticing these trends like within like, like my doctor's office sending out emails and I'm like, I now know what they're doing. I was like, I know what they're doing. Like I, it it was, and I remember I was working at a restaurant and they were playing it and they're like, they were like freaking people out about the flu in like 2017, 2018. I was like, do you guys not see what, like, what is this? This is insane. Like, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, he's just like being crazy again, you know? And like, um, and then once this, once, it was, uh, what end of 2019 when, one cause I, I was teaching music for a while, um, out here. Um, I got a job teaching music and that was really cool. Um, and I was always trying to get these kids to kind of think differently. And like, I'm a lot of them were like, Oh, this is crazy. Me just being, you know, like, that was like, that was like my whole thing. Like, um, but, uh, once it, once it was just the whisper started coming up, I was like, and, and just hearing it, I was like, coronavirus oh and i was like to me it just automatically it just like rang with symbolism so i was just like this is this actually might be for real the for real one so we were um i was i'm playing in a band i I still play with them and we were on the road playing a show in chicago and word uh you know word come we wake up in the morning and their word comes to us that that like south by southwest was canceled one of the one of the guys that we play was supposed to play south south by southwest gets canceled and i was like yo you guys we have to get back this is on like the 5th of march i was like we have to get back i want to get back as soon as possible like they're about to do like a whole shutdown Mm -hmm. they're like what and i was like yeah they're gonna shut shit down like we got to get back i was like it could happen tomorrow it could happen in a week it could happen in two weeks, but it's going to be soon. I don't want to risk it. And everyone was like, all right, dude, like you're, you're kind of tripping. So we got back and it was, but yeah, you know, a week after that is like when there was like the official, like we're shutting down for a couple of weeks. And I, and I just, and at that moment, I was like, this is not going to be a couple of weeks. This is, I was like, this is the one I I knew it. I was like, this is, this is well, they big time. In the
0: U S as well. Um It was going to be two weeks.
1: Yeah two weeks to flatten the curve.
0: Oh, so it was the standard thing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, on a previous episode podcast, I think I asked Chad like about lockdown and he was, he didn't even know if there was a lockdown. It was like obviously paying real attention to, you know, the news. I was like, I love it. You don't actually know if there is one, but they did tell you that then as well. The same, the same thing, two weeks. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that happened. And I was like, all right. Uh, this is, this is real now. So I started in for a while before that I was like writing stuff. I was like, I'm, I'm worried about the outcome of humanity. Like I have these like journal entries and stuff like in my notebooks. And I think that once it started to happen, I had like the initial, like, all right, well, I got to start, you know, buying food. I got to start planning this. I got to start this. Like, and by that time I, I, it, and I think since it was like March, I think I started getting, you know, put onto different interpretations of what was happening like the idea of it was it released was it a was it a you know is it a lab leak is it a is it a naturally occurring thing is this going to kill off 180 million people in two months or whatever and then just really trying to figure it out and then I saw a few videos of people putting you know different information out about what was actually happening biologically what the plausible biological explanations are were might what they might end up being and ever since then, I think that this whole period, I've actually been more, like, I've had more, like, salt, like, more peace, I think, mm-hmm. internally, than maybe I had the 10 years leading up to it.
0: That makes sense. Because I think, quite often with anything, you know, you're anxious before something happens. And then when it does happen, we cope as humans, you know, generally, Um and it's never—I well, say it's never quite as bad as the imagination, but you know, you just have no choice but to cope when you're in the moment. Um, yeah. Do you know, before we go, like, start talking about you know research you're doing now and everything. I just like had a little light bulb moment. You were saying about the teaching that you were doing to you, your kids and um, mm-hmm. symbolism. So there are some groups on Facebook. Like, I'm not sure on Facebook at all, but there's it's called there's one um there's awakened pages and there's also awakened education and there are people now home educating their kids. You could do an online course <laughs> for symbolism and you would have a whole bloody market, thousands of people which would probably sign up for their kids. So sorry it just came into my head then I thought um yeah something to think about a little side that's, project maybe
1: <laughs> that's a great idea because I yeah I, I, I'm not teaching music anymore. Unfortunately, I loved teaching, um, but I just couldn't stick around and tell, like, I never told the kids to put the masks on. They would come in with them and I would have it on my face. And, and, and I just, if they pulled it down off their face and I wasn't going to tell them to put it up uh, and, and if anything, I told them, if you guys need to breathe, breathe. I was like, your, your breathing is more important. And they'd be like, Oh, Remy, you're not wearing it. I'm like, no, I'm not wearing it. I blow it down under my chin and I wouldn't, I'm like, I'm not going to breathe, breathe in my own exhaust all day. Like, Mm -hmm. and so like I had to quit basically because I wasn't fired. Like they didn't force me out. It's not like, it wasn't like a whole terrible relationship because I'd been working there for a while. And the people that I worked with were really great. I, you know um, they were cool, but as far as it went, you know, they had to, they had to play by the rules, you know, didn't have to, but didn't have to play by the rules, but that was the explanation for, but, um, I, uh, you know, I had to quit and it was really unfortunate because I, I really, I really felt like that was a, 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 it was an important, I think it's an important job being able to share information with kids. And the way that I teach that I would teach music is that I would try to integrate. I I would integrate uh, the way that I understood music is that it's a part of a, a, a grand, um, universal field of knowledge that really applies to all fields of understanding. So, we have, you know, this idea of like the, they want to try to, what's the grand unified field theory. And it's like, there is already a unified field theory. There's our, it is all, all of it is one thing we, we separate it in our minds as a way of, of, of assessing and analyzing and, and, and understanding the information, but it all is operating with one essential principle or one mediator of, of function. So, that was, yeah, that was how I, that was how I taught, but uh, that would, that's a good, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll,
0: you've definitely, honestly, classes. Yeah, because on this same group as well, there were people going. Um, I have no idea how to teach my kids history, like at all. And there are people going, watch the lost history. You know the lost history um, mm-hmm. series on uh, YouTube. And so the, the people are really open to like, how the hell do we teach our kids, and what do we yeah. teach them? Um, and it's really teaching them to be open. I think to exploring yeah. um, everything. So yeah, I think there's a definite there's a the, the, parents need awakened people to, to teach their kids so there you go there's something to uh to think about
1: maybe, maybe a gateway there yeah
0: <laughs> definitely right. so where are things now like i've obviously seen a lot of your posts on instagram and um you know i think oh my god you like the stuff that you share it's like it's so obvious you know how much in depth research you've done and you've done that firsthand you know you're not quoting people you've it's blatantly obvious that you've gone and done that yourself and um yeah it's mind-blowing sort of how much knowledge you have so where like this and then like there's too much you know info to share into one podcast but where you know what's at the forefront of your mind that you think people should know about or what you're interested in now I guess
1: yeah um so I guess uh with my my understanding of music and um I do audio engineering as well. So I'm doing a lot of recording and, and then like, you know, uh, mixing tracks together to make the right room for them. So, and then like being able to, um, you know, you take a dry recording that doesn't have any effects on it and then creating dimension with like reverb, like reverb and like, you know, how does the reverberation mimic dimension and like how do you make it sound like it's in a big room and that a person is standing up close to you or how do you make it seem like you're in a small room and someone's at the wall or how do you make it seem like somebody is in a really big hall and halfway in between there and you or how do you make it seem you know like the whole idea of these different th- these different dimensions being able to create that in an in an audio recording is really just quantifying and um really in that case digitizing um sound frequencies and how they interact with this in a stereo format so the left and right right so it's like you have and then also like the dimension of left and right and how far apart it feels and like uh, kind of like and when i'm when i'm doing like a mix a mix down of something I'm, I'm thinking, is the person facing me looking this way, you know, like where's this instrument sitting and where, how far away from the instrument am I, am I, the, am I hearing this from the, from the audience perspective or am I hearing it from like an, you know, first, first person, third person. And so it's like, okay, well, do I want to put the drums behind or in front stuff like that, you know? Right. Um, so it's all based off of, you know, various, uh, um, frequencies, uh, sort of interfering with one another and then also you that which has like a geometric nature as well so how so it's like kind of the question comes up well how do you make sound feel like a spatial dimension so it's like how does sound and spatial dimension have any connection whatsoever it's like well because again everything is really one thing but we create we create a we 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 create a plane or we create a line we create a linear understanding of it you know and oh this is here and this is there, so as I started to kind of learn more about music and there's like a, a website I was reading into a while back and it was called like Musica Universalis which basically says that like music describes the whole universe, I started kind of uh, getting into um, how frequency sound frequencies, um, and and the term frequency is I, I use it a lot and it's like i know people understand what it is so frequency is is a is a is a f- term of, is, that you use to measure the movement of of the medium which is like the ether right the the air right so it's like how fast is it moving how frequently does it move within this given time period that's what a frequency is so it's like so when i say frequency i kind of, i'm use that loosely but it's like so i'm like trying to understand how do these different you know um perturbations that we understand as sound how does that create what we understand as geometry and then you start to realize oh it's because it's the same thing it's because spatiality and sound and all this stuff it all has to do with and and now i'm i'm looking back on it and redefining it based off of what i know now but so like as i was getting into it i started studying like like the cymatics like where you see um you know you would you put like a, a, a a steel plate and then they you create um Uh, a certain um a certain note at a certain pitch and then it creates different geometric structures on the sand have you ever seen those before
0: do you know what similar like with um I probably have but in a similar sort of a different field of homeopathy and the water experiments and how a different music makes, makes the water molecules you know change shape so it's probably a similar it's not like in terms of sand but it's probably it's probably a very similar um, concept it's not.
1: yeah it's the same exact phenomenon yeah. um, <clears throat> because now that's just a different medium right so it's like the medium in that case is, is the water and the medium in the case of, you know, me talking to you is the, is the, the air, the hydrogen that's, that's being fluctuated, um, by the, by the energy output from the, the, the vibrations of the throat, right? It's like, or whatever instrument you're using, that's creating that sound. Um, it's the same exact phenomenon. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, there's obviously a connection between this. There's a connection between the geometry and the, and the sound itself, um, and then I was introduced to the concept of the quadrivium, um, which is basically it's like arithmetic, geometry, music, and and astronomy. So that's the the fourfold process of quantification of, and quantification and quali- I guess it's qual. There's maybe quality too as well. But anyway, uh, it's the, the way to understand you know the 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 physical universe. So you have the trivium, which is the internal process of how, how to understand and take in information. So you have, um, you know, uh, what's it? Uh, knowledge. Understanding and wisdom, or um, grammar, uh, logic, and rhetoric. That's like the classical terms for it. Or in modern terms, input, processing, and output, right? Like with a computer, a computer is basically a, um, and I don't want this to be seen as in the inverted version of what I'm saying, but the computer is basically kind of like a, um, uh, a diminished form of 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 the mind because it doesn't have spirit right it's kind of like the two out of three it has the it has the brain and it has the ability to create but it really doesn't have the spirit right mm-hmm. and it's really interesting because it's like two out of the it's two out of the three and i've brought this up before two divided by three is repeated right. but um um it's kind of what the skull and bones thing represents right you have the skull and then you have the arms you have you have the thought and then you have the action but you don't have the heart the emotion which is the mm-hmm. compass um so uh when I started to, uh, what's it called? Uh, when I started to uh, um, assess, I kind of went on a tangent there, and I forgot where I was. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, um, the uh, the the process of of understanding um, these, like, kind of how does music fit into geometry? And then I, I was introduced to this quadrivium method. I was like, oh, okay. So these all kind of work together, and they're really just understanding and in, in a way to like count and 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 process the different mediums of 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 understanding within the, the physical world um it really kind of uh it it's it, I just went from one science to the next and and at the beginning of all this I got really into like the the studying of I, so my biggest fear for the longest time one of my biggest fears I'd I i was not really of I so I, I was I was into skateboarding and I wasn't really afraid that much of getting hurt. I broke some bones. I was, I had my limit, obviously, like I, you know, there's different, you have stair sets that have different numbers. I was like, I'm not going to go that big, but I wasn't like terrified of hurting myself. I'm not quite a fan of heights, but I just stay away from heights and I'm good. Um, there were a few things that I was pretty scared of. I was, I was terrified of airplanes, but then I went on an airplane and I was like, that's not bad. And that was the first time I came to Pennsylvania it was, it was, uh, was the first time I was on an airplane. So I was already like 26 years old, but, um, but I was absolutely a humongous germaphobe like my whole life. Oh, really? Like just, I, yes, like really big, big germaphobe, which I think was kind of like a projection of maybe other fears that were just like manifest in that thing. I was like, it's the easiest thing to be afraid of because I can't see it. It's everywhere. And everywhere I go, I'm. if I touch it, then it's going to take over my body and kill me. And like, I was just like terrified of germs mm-hmm. and I was terrified of like diseases and stuff like it freaked me out to no end. So I started finally to study like, um, like virology, which I was like, I'm never looking into that because if I see those little things on the microscope, I will never be able to like, stop thinking about it. So I was just like, I'm never looking into it. But I was like, all right, it's, it's, you know, it's 2020, it's time to look, it's time to look into it. Um, and that was after I had, and you know, I, at the same time, kind of really trying to understand like the ideas of, of like, um, field theory and uh, like electro, electromagnetic, um, uh, you know, like mechanics and stuff like that. So I started it, 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 you know, it's like, it's all in my brain and I'm not, I'm, I, I try not to compartmentalize information, but I also, I'm not going to just mash it together and say like, it's all this thing. It's like, I'm going to find the connections, try it and make sure that it makes sense. So I started saying, okay, well maybe, maybe there's a connection here with all this stuff. So I, um, you know, like audio engineering introduced me to the concept of how geometry mixes with sound. And then I was like, oh, like the, maybe the, um, this whole, you know, virus scare thing, maybe I should look into that. So I started studying that. And then it introduced me to the ideas of, um, you know, uh, like somorphic resonance, like, uh, that Rupert Sheldrake book, I'd got it. I skimmed through it. I never like really, really read it. So I'd, need to read it and actually you know
0: what I've got that book my my mentor she um tells me explain homeopathy if you want to know how it works she was like read that and I started to read it and it was it was great but I don't know why it obviously it wasn't quite the right time but uh, it's funny now you've mentioned that I'm like mm, well, maybe it is the right time I need to pick that back up again
1: yeah I, yeah maybe I need to go back and really dig into it but I mean the concepts like like you brought it up. You're basically like, oh yeah, you're explaining homeopathy in that that in that one of that podcasts that I did. And
0: yeah, you did. I was like, I love it. You did explain it. It was amazing.
1: And yeah. that was when somebody explained it to me that way. I was like, well, that makes perfect sense because you get you take um you know you take a two two tuning forks that are within you know that are the same note or even like a fifth away, which is like, uh, you know, music has its intervals, you have, you have your fundamental tone, and then you have notes at a at a specific pitch away. And those are based off of the um, uh, equal temper tuning system that we use, like, um, but, uh, you know, you have a note that's a certain distance away, and, um, or like, it has a, a certain mathematical relation to that fundamental tone based off of um, the, the vibrative frequency of the note you ring one of those tuning forks, and if it's in a certain proximity, depending on the on the amplitude of the of the the first strike, you know it has to be close enough, obviously, for the um, for the perturbations to um, affect the fields surrounding or that actual that that tuning fork in order for it to start vibrating. But it will, and that's uh, sympathetic resonance, and it happens in pianos, it happens with string instruments, right? So these are the things that I started to realize. Oh, wait a second. Okay, so if it works with strings, if it works with tuning forks. Well, I guess that makes sense that it would make with, that it would work within the 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 body with the you know the, the smaller, the tiny little parts that are that are working within us. So I, all of this stuff started to to come together. So, you know, long long story long. I uh it I I I was like okay, music and sound and physical things. Oh, it's like it's starting to to come together. I'm starting to understand. I think maybe a little bit better than I had before. That um there's definitely a very discernible and like plausible and understandable relationship between, uh, well, everything, everything, everything is, and, and that's used in a very vague way, but like, so generally, I mean, uh, so there's a relationship between, you know, the electromagnetic fields that are, that we're, um, that we're exposed to. There's a, there's a, an effect on every system of our body because of that. And there's, there's an effect of electricity in general on the body electronics. Um, so I think that that's really where I've, I've sort of put a lot of my focus because um, if you, and there's a, there's a, a, a field theorist who said it. And it's like, if you don't understand fields, then you really can't understand anything else. So um, the way that the way that field theory or, you know, describing things from the perspective that there an there's an ether, which is like, the plane of it's the, it's the non, non non-manifest pure potential. And then all things manifest as a result of that medium being basically disturbed or modified modulated. And that's essentially what's going on inside of us everywhere. And so I think that lately I've been really, really into trying to understand. And I think my main focus is how the introduction of recent technologies that work on a very specific, frequency range and um, bandwidth how they're affecting us and I think that that's really very much so prime focus right now.
0: I remember before all of this um, COVID stuff um, you know they were starting to show I wish I'd saved them actually but there were like flocks of birds around 5g that are just like dropping down dead and you know various animals and I can't remember which I'm sure it was in some European country that they would there were scientists that had got together to say you know you can't launch this before you actually do the safety studies mm-hmm. um, yeah it is terrifying I think the potential that is just going full steam ahead without any um, any understand or maybe they do know what it's going to do they
1: probably do right so i think that um having kind of because it's like it needs to be understood in in relation to like the big picture you know so it's like I, i think that like a lot of people are really focused on the health aspects of that like what that means for health and i think that's important and that's definitely like first and foremost like you yeah you can't you can't do anything about it if you're not alive to talk about it right so it's like you do have to like learn how to adapt to it and i think that I mean the question is like is it is it bad for the body well it's like i mean it's definitely it, it is uh are there are there certain people that I speak to kind of on a on a regular basis that aren't quite like as uh focused on the the presence of this frequency range i think they're aware of like its kind of effect on us but I don't know if it's maybe just cause I'm like so zoomed in on it that I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, I think it's actually you, this should be really the main focus, but um, it ties into, it kind of checks off all the boxes. It's like, okay, well, it might get rid of some people uh, terribly. Um, it might be a good way to implement technologies that are smaller and more communicative than we've used previously. Um, and it may be a way to um also like if not get rid of some people but also like sort of nullify their effectiveness in in standing up against it because um again the sympathetic resonance right um if there are certain so they they there's let me finish that sentence if there are certain frequencies that can be used to make two physical objects affect each other then it stands to reason that there are certain frequencies that could easily affect our like our psychology or or our you know um our neurons our uh, our ability to process information or our ability to uh process emotion or perhaps or it will can create emotions within us right so um so this is something that I've, I've kind of recognized as being like, it's, it just checks off all the boxes you can get in. And it's not just hypothetical. Like it's not, so it's like, at first it was hypothetical, which is why I didn't say anything about it for like the majority of 2020. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, well, I don't really know. This seems kind of weird. I was presented the idea that maybe that maybe the new high band millimeter waves um, are potentially responsible for the, uh, for the respiratory illnesses that people were experiencing earlier on now there's people who are like well there's nothing to even show that there's even more excess deaths and it's like i don't think that there there may not be there there may not be anything showing that there's any more death happening this year than last or maybe it's like a small and it's kind of just been slightly increasing but it's not like this stuff was introduced overnight we've had 3g we've had 4g so it's like you wouldn't you i think to assess that you'd have to look at the full scope and really then you'd have to go back to 1918 when they introduced radar so you know like what's this is a bigger picture than just like oh they put it in last year no and now a whole bunch of people are going to just die it's like i don't think that that's really realistic when you're looking at the scheme of things and the fact that like it's like it's a we're in a big field of of of, of you know electromagnetic um you know interferences and um Various dynamics of, of the electromagnetic field. It's not going to just be like, oh, here's a new one. And then everything automatically changes the day after that. Mm, yeah. But I do think it's, it's rational to look at it and, and say, well, obviously, okay, well, does it have a negative effect on health? It's like, yeah, I mean, it. it so it permeates, it permeates polarized molecules. So anything with hydrogen, it basically, um, it wrote like the The outer cell lining of the wall, it rotates. It starts to rotate all of the the hydrogen in that area. So then it stops absorbing the oxygen. So it's reduced oxygen uptake it, um, which then affects every single system in the body. So you would see various systemic breakdowns from this type of stuff. So it may be neurological for one person and it may be, you know, a skin rash for somebody else. So this kind of flies in the face of, of this whole idea of like, you know, people are like the the whole idea behind the viral virology thing is if you have this virus, then it gives you these symptoms. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, with like toxicity, like you, or, and especially electromagnetic or radiation, you're not going to see one thing happen to everybody because you're now dealing with, you're now dealing with something that actually is, has an overall systemic effect. And the various ratios of imbalance that a person has within themselves are going to show that more quickly. Um, It's basically just an accelerator. So it's like, you're going to see accelerated aging of these systems that may be already kind of under certain stress. So um it you know it has a negative health effects it could it could be used to um modify human behavior i mean they did this operation Bazaar back in like the 60s where they use microwave um to basically incite anger within people and it was a it was an actual department of defense i want to say really? was i haven't, it, it heard, was... it long. I haven't yeah. heard of that one yeah yeah so yeah it was project Bazaar, and uh there's another i don't remember the name of it i have A lot of links over here and I tried to pull some of them up, but, um, yeah, so there's, you know, there's already been a lot of information done on, um, uh, or a lot of studies and a lot of information put out on the effects of microwaves and millimeter waves and, um, millimeter waves are far more, um, detrimental um microwaves are already but millimeter waves are smaller you know it's well at least it's the 60 or it's it's like 24 24 gigahertz and up is what is what um uh is what high band millimeter 5g is so um as if you you start to study like magnetism and like it's i mean it's a basic concept something that has a smaller space has a higher capacitance that means that it's like why gamma radiation is so much more damaging to the skin than you know you know ultraviolet you know Mm. sun exposure gamma radiation is smaller it it fills up a smaller space which means that it has a higher capacitance so it has a higher has a higher energy um output basically so um millimeter waves permeate you know polarized molecules um and they cause more damage than most other forms of uh you know like microwave Mm -hmm. even though those are bad in and of themselves as well so
0: there was another um what was it um was it Hava- something havana about as well there was a something Lewis- oh what was the
1: havana it? syndrome
0: yeah yeah
1: that yeah
0: I, i'd never heard of until i came across you either
1: <laughs> yeah so um that was like they were reporting like oh there was like this havana havana syndrome like there was like these people who are getting hit by direct energy weapons and some of that information i actually got from shonda um she, she's a great page to follow she's her and I have I've I've found her her page and I was just like this is exactly where I've been going. It was like a huge like it was a huge moment for me. But um yeah, the Havana Syndrome was basically they were saying that various officials in the government were being um targeted and they were being they were targeted by by directed energy weapons that was causing them to hear ringing in their ears. They were getting headaches, pressure in their ears, and um confusion. You know, nausea, all these things, which are you know, it's like. Oh my God. That's the first time I've ever heard of somebody getting affected by electromagnetic radiation. Wow. You know, it's so funny the way they report it because it's like, as if this has never been happened, never happened before. And no one's ever like said, Hey, you know, there's directed energy weapons being used by, uh, but yeah. So they tried to blame it on, you know, of course it's Russia and China that did it. And, um, So it's like during this time period where everyone's like talking about how like directed energy weapons are a potential, you know, um, threat that we should be paying attention to. Then they're like, Oh yeah, no, you guys are crazy. Also over here, some of our uh, government officials are being hit by uh, directed energy weapons and they're very, very accurate. And they can, they can, they're, they can, you know, zone in and narrow in on somebody from like that up to a six foot radius from like, you know, from however many miles away, it's like, yeah
0: that's a good one though for people like to go and just google or DuckDuckGo or whatever you want to use but you know because it is just it just comes up straight away doesn't it if you do research it um and I think it's so easy to say oh conspiracy theorists you know talking about this but actually when it's there for people to go and to go and look up themselves if they want on some of these uh these studies. so are you all right to go a little bit over i mean just conscious of. oh time. yeah i can go
1: yeah. yeah i got i got however much time you want to go so. yeah
0: yeah let's go over a bit that's all right um yeah so because i think yeah we, we, i think there's so much to, to chat about It's it would be good to do like a part two or something to explore some of this because i feel like we're only just sort of scratching the surface
1: mm-hmm. one
0: thing i i want to ask if that's all right just because um it's come up a few times. So sort of synchronicity was how does this potentially, or maybe it doesn't, maybe they're two completely separate issues, but graphene oxide, I've seen a few posts that you've done about this as well. And I just happened to be on a course yesterday, which was amazing. It was with an amazing homeopath that specializes in detox And um, it was a QA and a with him and he was talking about vaccine side effects, but also shedding or um, what to do if people come down with flu-like symptoms having been around someone that's recently been vaccinated. And he was saying it's actually um, graphene oxide poisoning that they've got because people are shedding, people that have been vaccinated are shedding the graphene oxide rather than shedding anything else and it's that that's causing the issues in people that haven't been vaccinated and so to detox these people with graphene oxide rather than the actual vaccine as a remedy so um and he was saying you know that it sheds for six weeks so I just found it really interesting because you you had done some some stories a while back and yeah what's your what's your view on graphene oxide because I had asked you a question as well about it a a while back Um, Mm -hmm. About my friend that had become magnetic. Yeah. She hadn't been vaccinated. I was like, what the hell is going on here? So um, yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are on, on graphene oxide. It's a big topic. So just, you it's, know,
1: yeah, it's huge. Um, so I, um, as far as like the, um, okay. So as far as like the injection, having it, um, there, uh, it's, there's a whole bunch of unreleased or, uh, you know, undisclosed ingredients in all of these all of these shots that people are getting um so i think that there's on the on the on on the side of people who are like oh it's not on the it's not on the list it's like well there's a whole bunch of undisclosed information uh, or undisclosed ingredients and on top of it um i actually found a i think it was a forbes um article That said, uh, that was basically saying without intellectual property and trade secrets laws, these vaccines wouldn't have even been able to be made because everybody would have been trying to steal all the materials that they're using. But luckily, they were allowed to keep it completely secret because of trade secret and intellectual property laws. So it's like, uh, that's an official source saying that they're not revealing what is exactly in it. Um, Now, uh, I was sort of okay so once i was first just looking into the um the the uh what's it called the 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 um what do they call it the mrna gene therapy that they were using for it uh i already started looking back at like when that started being developed and how darpa and, and the hydrogels and i found all this information about how they were using hydrogels to um you know like they they had used it to like detect like blood sugar in somebody and then it sent like a signal and it was like a little light and they're like oh it also has like an led light they can send a signal to your phone or or they can send a you know whatever it's 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 something that was being developed and so i was already like kind of all right well what's going on what are they using and it's like lipid nanoparticles and and i had already been aware sort of to an extent of the uh the usage of graphene oxide um it wasn't it was just kind of like one of those things that i passed by and i didn't really totally like dig into it yet, but I was like, really like, I was really like stuck on the whole, like DARPA developing like these, these bioscanners inside of the body. I knew that they were using nanolipid, um, uh, nanolipid liquid nan- lipid nanoparticles and hydrogels to do that. Um, and I, I know that there's various, my, my understanding originally was that they were, pegy- they were just like pegylated nan- nanolipids. So it was just like a polyethylene glycol solution of some type. Um, more recently, uh, that the, you know, every, everyone, I think most people heard about the, the La Quinta Columna. Um, they are like the Spanish researchers that found graphene in the, in, in, in a, a a vial that they had acquired somehow. Um, and then there was another woman, I think her name's Karen Kingston who, who did a breakdown she's like, well, look, these are the, these are the patents and the patents say that it has this in it. And I that patent, one of them is like a patent to China. It was, or it was, it was filed in China, and it's just COVID nineteen vaccine, and it and it lists graphene oxide as the delivery mm-hmm. method. So, and I found that right around the same time before I actually saw the La Quinta Columna, um, uh, what's it called? A uh, study that they did where they did a um a electron microscope um analysis of it. So I I, I was it, it it just made you know it just made sense to me because I, I was like well obviously if they're using this technology then this has been part of that technology so. Um, I don't know how many people are still debating whether it is in there or not. And I I think that it's pretty clear that it's part of it. I think that when you look back on, on the, on the patent records and you find that the companies producing it are producing their pegylated nanolipids with that, with graphene oxide in it, it's Mm -hmm. kind of like why, like, I think it's, it's Occam's razor, right? Like which, Mm -hmm. which answer requires the least amount of assumptions? Well, it, it makes more sense that they would just keep using the same particles and same materials that they've been using because they've worked for what they've wanted to use them for. It makes, there's less assumptions there than to say, Oh no, they've been using it. They've experimented with it, but then they just, for some reason took it out. Like uh, for, uh, I, that it's like, okay, why? Well, th- there's a million reasons why they could have, but there's nothing that really like suggests that they just stopped using it in, in, in pegolated nanolipids. So, um, so if that kind of lays the groundwork of like, is it in there? Yeah, it's probably in there. I'm not going to say a hundred percent, but I mean, it's as close to sure that I, that I can get right now, you know, like, and then on top of it, when you look at the effects of that, the things that people are getting, there's plenty of papers on the toxicity of graphene oxide within the body, it cre- you know, and, and it's, and it's, it's basically mimics certain parts of the, it creates the biomolecular coronas, which I think is like a really interesting, uh, terminology that like once it enters the blood it creates biomolecular coronas and and so there's proteins that that they're using that to protect the you know the whatever uh the they're using the the proteins around it to protect it so that it doesn't it's less toxic is what they're saying i, I don't buy it but um yeah. so you look at the toxicities and it's like thrombogenicity i.e blood clots that's like the main thing that's that's talked about with it and it's like all of these things are what's, these are a, a lot of these side effects. They're directly related to what would happen when a body would be introduced to 40 trillion nanoparticles of graphene oxide. It's like, it only makes sense. Right. And then it's like, okay, so are people shedding that? Are they shedding the the, the actual particles and com- come into contact with people? Well, um, so here's why I don't think that that's like the only thing that's happening. So first of all, what I will say is there's, I I don't subscribe to this idea that there is like a, a a non-living particle that is also that, that can't be isolated because it can't be taken out of a cell, but also can float around in the air and infect somebody and, and then take over their cells. So the, the classic perspective of what a virus is, I don't really, I don't subscribe to that. It just doesn't make any sense. I, I accepted it for a long time without actually asking any questions. Once I asked questions, it kind of fell apart. So that being said, I don't think people are shedding a protein either i don't think that that's that that's not really a plausible um like how how much protein would you need to shed it would have to be quite a good deal of it um and how would it get in through your skin like how to get in through your mucous membranes it would probably break up um and through when it's being absorbed through the skin in the first place um unless it was encapsulated within some type of nanoparticle that sort of broke its way in. So there are, there have been, they did some, um, they did some studies on, on rats um, being injected with certain nanoparticles and then finding it in their urine and in their stool afterwards. So there was like a, they were secreting it to a certain extent. So I do think that there's the plausibility of there being some form of um, transference of nanoparticles from one person to the next, but that assumes that a person who hasn't been injected with it doesn't already have that in their body. Mm-hmm. So now that brings it so then it's like okay well why why would i have graphene in my body why would you well so i started kind of picking things picking things apart and so like um geoengineering is something that i've also been uh, aware of for quite some time turns out though that they actually use graphene oxide and geoengineering operations so um it's it's used to crystallize the um the the clouds it creates the the ice crystals because it's it, it when introduced to certain temperatures, it acts differently, like with, with depending on the charges that are there. So it's like under positive or negative charge, it's going to act differently. So like when it enters the body, it becomes heated by our, by our, um, you know, our electrical systems inside the body, and then it becomes magnetic. Um, and uh, so it, that's could be why people are experiencing magnetism. I think it's very plausible to consider that that's an, an option or that that's a, an explanation um now they're using it in the sky because it, it it creates it creates ice crystals then it encourages more clouds to be formulated artificially um now obviously if it's in the clouds then it's raining down and it's going to be in the rain and stuff too so um high likelihood that there are people who have never been injected who are already um filled with these nanoparticles yeah. um not only that but uh also with with other metals like lead and aluminum and stuff like that so aluminum's not um, uh, not not lead, but iron. I meant sorry. Um, iron and aluminum. Lead isn't magnetic, but it also is a metal, so that means that there's a certain level of conductivity and mm. um, with electricity that that can be used and worked with. And there is some um, inf- interesting stuff when it comes to directed energy weapon and aluminum as well. So it's like how um, how that part plays into it. But iron is a big part of it. Um, iron obviously being magnetic um and attracts magnets so you have something that's iron and then you have something that's also equally ferro it's a ferromagnetic substance and ferroelectric then it's there's going to be some interplay between that and not only that but graphene oxide also self assembles, so um it finds its way to to other parts of it and it self-assembles into these little like wires or these sheets basically um so it's been used um in geoengineering as f- far as i know i've looked into i've i found only a few documents on it that said that it's like one of the best methods for for cloud seeding um um i, I do have to look into it just to be a little bit more sure like before i'm like 100 but i it's i and to me it's like it's pretty obvious that it's being used in these operations they've shown how with it's just with with flying colors it's passed with flying colors as like a proper as a good method for that so when in contact with somebody who's been exposed to um these you know lipid nanoparticles via injection and then another person may come in contact with them i think that there's a certain level of electromagnetic resonance that's causing a lot of these issues but then also because we also have a lot of the same particles in our body already Um, a lot of us are um highly ironified We're, we're, we're fortified with a lot of iron because it's like you know, it's like thrown into like everything. And it's like this concept of anemia. Um, apparently, and to my surprise is, is not quite what we thought it was. Um, it seems that like people who are diagnosed with anemia, they're testing their blood for it, but, um, iron actually, um, it, it collects in the tissues. So it's going to collect in, in the tissues and it won't be present in the blood. So you're gonna have like this high concentration of, of of iron in your tissues, but it's not in your blood and it's showing that you have anemia and then you're like, here, take more iron, which is oh, an interesting yeah. yeah. And so those those play a part with the whole electromagnetic, you know, connectivity as well. So I don't know if I'm sorry, yeah. No, there, I was
0: saying, there is so like everything is inverted isn't it like i'm just something like anemia i'm just like god is there no end to like how inverted all our knowledge is basically um i guess do you know one question i've got and i'm conscious actually i'm gonna have to wrap this one up because i I definitely would love to explore this more because i just think we've only literally like we've sort of teased (laughs) with with where things are currently but um also what can we do with this knowledge to you know to to is there anything we can do I guess once we half the battle is we've got to be aware of what's going on first of all before we can then find solutions so yeah. Um, yeah what solutions are there if any or like do we need to come up with those that's kind of something else where I'd like to have a think about as well
1: yeah, oh, I dear. think that... remember you
0: got to answer it all. You got to give us answers.
1: <laughs> no pressure. All right, here, here you go. I actually have a list right here. Um, no, uh, I think that personally, like one of the, I mean, first solution is, uh, you know, so like first you have to you have to ask yourself if if you think that um, that you have ownership of yourself. So once you once you recognize that I own me, no one else does, then you start saying, all right, well I'm gonna start taking care of of me, you know, so. And processing your beliefs I think is a part as a big part because what you believe about yourself um, the more that it's in align, in alignment with knowledge and truth is the more uh, harmonious the outcome is going to be because beliefs may or may not be in, in alignment with truth. Like, and once a belief becomes knowledge, then it becomes, then, it, then it, it's kind of like transcended belief and it becomes something a little bit more, I think, uh, useful so it's like I think solution one is is sort of really questioning the things you believe about yourself, about the world, and how how what does what do these systems that you've been presented with, what do they actually ask you to do? what do they ask you to believe? what do they ask you to support, and what are the direct results of that action? What does it actually mean when you support this thing, when you support that thing? Um, so I think that that's a start because then you can start to um Withdraw from the things that you need to withdraw from, and um, put a little bit more time and attention into the things that will actually be of value to yourself, and to the 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 whole of of humanity and the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom and the air and the, you know, it's like uh, look, the the answers that that are the simplest are usually the most true. So, you know, try to simplify things down to their down to their their basic fundamental principle claim and 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 then test it out and see if it makes sense and be honest. Um, and then another thing, I think that as far as like the, the, the weapons that are being formed against us are psychological, they're physical and they're, they are electric and electromagnetic. And I think that that's probably the the most detrimental weapon that's being used against us because thought itself is an electrical action. Um, you know, chemistry within the body, biochemistry, that's electrical Ac- acid and base and, and neutral. Those are all actually electrical conditions of, of. Of how hydrogen is either charged discharged. you know that that's 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 an electrical function everything is electrical because electric electricity is a word that we use to describe energy and you know it, it if you really have to start to maybe mitigate and understand the the energetic fields that we're in and i don't and i don't mean that in a, in a vague um, you know, like the, the, there's a, the, the new agey like it's just energy. It's like, yes, it is energy. It's like, like, like to really let's, tr- let's understand that. And let's, let's, let's be, let's be, you know, clear minded about what that means. So I think a good solution is pay attention to the, uh, to the, to the electromagnetic, um, you know, uh, influences around you um, start to st- start, st- start to look up ways to mitigate um, harmful EMF. Um, There are ways. Uh, I do think also one of the bigger long term solutions is that people need to be aware of this and need to be realistic about like just how they wouldn't have constructed these towers everywhere if it wasn't being used for something Mm -hmm. and once you come to the conclusion of what they're being used for it, it, whether that's simply just as like a, 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 way to destroy our, our bodily systems, or also a way to establish connectivity with nanotechnology that creates a, a control grid, basically both of those options are, are not really conducive to life. So um, I think that a big solution would be like coming to terms and understanding like what that means for, Uh, for human and animal life and hopefully we can so the only way to really prevent something or to solve a problem is to come to an understanding of that issue and then to um make a rectification of of how your actions have been incongruent with with you know with true and harmonious actions and i think um that's another solution like be be honest about these systems and and withdraw from the things you 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 think you should withdraw from eat the best food you can store some food store some water um to weather the storm and try to get you know get some things in your system that will break down metals and you know heavy metals toxins nanoparticles and maybe start creating a um to the best of your ability creating an an energetic output with your own with your own body systems that is that is protective from the 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 fields that are kind of permeating ours you know so of course
0: yeah Uh, that that is such good advice and you know when I said that I wasn't expecting you to give these answers right now like that's awesome and it's so um there are there is I think despite you know although you can look at the dark, you know, that's out there and we need to be aware of it. I think there is so much that people can do as well for for their health. And it's, again, looking into these alternatives. Um, And yeah, Shungite is what I've got all over the house um, for EMFs. And I'll tell you what, it was, you know, I bought it thinking, okay, you know, this is what one of my lecturers had told me was the best thing for um, EMF protection, Shungite. So I bought a load from Russia and then um, I happened to have one near a plant that hadn't flowered for like, I've had this plant for 12, 15 years and it's never bloody flowered. And then within a few weeks of being next to the Shanghai, it flowered again. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it- how regenerative, regenerative is that if that's the effect it inadvertently just had on that plant. I didn't put it there intentionally. Um, so there is stuff we can do. And I think that's why, we're all connecting as well you know lots of people from different backgrounds um and different knowledge to all connect because we've all got that message to give to people to help um help steer people in the right direction
1: yeah absolutely yeah it's not i i you know as as crazy and i i do like to point out just how monumentally like big this stuff is and where it could go but i really don't I, it, depending, it's depends on who's going to, you know, who's going to really have the will to like write it out and, and write the wrongs that have been done both internally, like the things that, that we've done to contribute to it no longer contribute in those ways, which I think is, I think solutions are more about removing errors than it is about creating a proactive action. If you're, if you're being proactive, but you haven't removed the fundamental errors, then you're going to come up with the same wrong answer
0: yes completely on that level yeah um
1: yeah so i think the solution you know like it's it's let's that's obviously that that's just the start of it but yeah so i don't think that it's completely completely hopeless i just there's you know that there's there's stuff that we can do within our within our our own circles and i think that that's important to look at um, I think that in any, any person who's listening to this right now, I think the question shouldn't be, what can we do? What can we do? Like, how do I stop this from, it's like, well, the first thing that you need to do is, is like, try to do something to make yourself stronger, like physically, mentally, spiritually. And, um, and I don't mean that as a dismissive, like vague, like just, you know, Oh, here's just a, here's just a, a, a fortune cookie answer for you. You know, it's like, you legitimately cannot be a, a, a fortified unit of humanity. If like the individual doesn't even recognize the individual's strength. So I think that first, you know, first kind of reconstitute yourself back to that. I think anybody, so anybody's listening, if that's, if that's the question, it's like, all right, well, this stuff's pretty crazy. Yeah. Like there's these evil demon people who are trying to create like a a digital control grid and they're trying to like fill us with these things. And they're trying to, you know, remove our ability to be free moving, free thinking and free living beings. But uh all you need to do is recognize that no being has the ability to actually take that away from you fundamentally like you don't need to you don't need to write anything down you don't need to come up with the right wording to you just you recognize that because that's the fundamental of existence and and start there and then and then see where it leads you and i you know use your compass
0: i love that what a bloody powerful note to a to to wrap up on no absolutely love it and people that are listening you know where can they find out more about you should they follow you on instagram what's the best place to kind of um get in touch or know more and learn more about you
1: yeah uh, instagram is pretty much it right now um i i i do eventually want to have like a like a a website where i can kind of compile information a little bit more effectively but that's like to be determined um so yeah instagram at remy period vega Um, r e m y period v e g a that's pretty much where i'm at um if anybody's interested in you know chatting or whatever there's an email link there you could send me a dm whatever we'll talk if there's any challenges questions that somebody says that you guys want to send through go for it i try to talk to as many people as i can but yeah that's where i'm at right now on instagram and maybe more to come
0: I'll put a link on there and hopefully yes you haven't been deleted yet so hopefully you will still be there by the time this goes uh goes live so yeah I
1: don't know I haven't had, had fingers crossed knock on wood I've not had a lot of a lot of issues with that so far so I, I don't you have share a lot of big... stuff
0: to your stories don't you which I think is yeah. a lot safer um because I guess they're only there for a limited period of time um Maybe the fact checkers don't get to them quite. Yeah, who, who,
1: who knows? I've it's it's worked so far, but I don't know. I probably just haven't raised enough. I haven't raised enough eyebrows yet. That, that might be the, the thing.
0: I like um your, you know, you, you randomly put in the let's get vaccinated thing in your stories. I did that the other day, right? I thought it was quite clear that I was only doing it to help break the algorithm. When i lost a load of followers and got people message me going, why are you saying we should all go get vaccinated? I was like, Oh, okay. I get. I guess a lot. Of, some people don't understand sarcasm.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. I always put a little snarky quote right next to it, or a, sn- a little snarky statement right next to it, to kind of, to you know, maybe hint at the fact that I'm being a bit sarcastic. So yeah. Yeah. I'll do it that next time.
0: I think like in <laughs> I inadvertently a lot of So come oh, on, take a joke.